Good morning. Our uh, scripture comes from Luke 14, 25 through 35. Uh, Discipleship's demands. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28 says, if, if one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss the terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be my disciples. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor... How will it become salty again? It has no value, neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. People throw it away. Whoever has ears to hear should pay attention. That's the word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, as we come and uh, share this time together in your word, I just pray for open hearts and open minds. I pray that you hide your pastor behind the cross, Lord, and, and the words that I speak would come from you. Lord, guide and direct me and guide and direct us all. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I thought about and prayed about this scripture this morning, I couldn't help but remember times with my dad and and, and uh, we would be working on a project uh, around the house, and I didn't. I didn't get a chance to do that with them often. Uh, my brother was more of the uh, the helper when it came to fixing things and building things, and I was more of the uh, had a more sports connection with my dad. But occasionally, I would be there to help uh, on building projects, and, and uh, I, I couldn't help but remember an old adage that he would say. And I know it's not a my dad original. Probably every dad says it. Uh, at some point in their lives, but measure twice and cut once. You know, he almost always, no matter what we were doing, he'd cut a piece of wood only to find out that he had gotten the measurement wrong. And he would shake his head and he would measure it again and then he would do it a second time and then he would whisper those words, measure twice, cut once. You see, the idea in doing that is that there's a cost that comes with making the wrong decision on a work project. Most of the time, the more times you make the wrong cut, the more you spend in wasted material. So make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you count the cost. That's the essence of Christ's message for us here in Luke 14 this morning. He's telling his disciples to count the cost. Be careful in deciding if you're going to get up and follow him. Take a good measurement. Matter of fact, measure it twice before you do. And he's saying that to each one of us here this morning as well. Make sure you know. It's one thing to say you're a follower. Oh, it's another thing entirely to do. And that's why I've titled this morning's message, Measure Twice and Cut Once. But it could have easily been called Job Description. The heading in my Bible above this says discipleship's demands. 
The, the demands that come from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I have three headings there in your sermon outline uh, to kind of guide and direct us this morning, a sort of guidepost as we move along. And the first heading there that I've marked and I want us to be aware of from Scripture is that it's Jesus who sets the standard. This isn't the pastor saying it. This isn't uh, just a good thought. These are Jesus' words. The Bible says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And then Jesus turned to them and he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even one man's own life cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So set the set the scene here. There, Jesus is moving throughout the Holy Land, and, and he's got a large group following him. And, and he knows among those people that are walking with him, those who are following him, there are some who are not all in. They're not fully committed. And that's when he comes with this directive. And he says, this is the bar, folks. And I'm sure some said, what? If that's the bar, the price is too much to pay. I'm sure some other says, uh, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was all about love. How does this scripture fit into that? Hate, hate your family and hate your life? What, where does that fit into this whole message of love? I read an article this week on this topic, and Jeff Robinson, he wrote this. He said, there will be rivals warring for supremacy over the throne of our hearts. But our love for King Jesus must defeat every one of those. Our love for Jesus must even have supremacy over our love for the people in our lives. Oh, church, we're to love everyone. We're to love our family. But my love for anything can't outrank my love and devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. This has got to be number one. If anything else is number one, you're not cut out for it. You're not going to be up to the task. Jesus is saying this is a hard challenge. But guess what? Jesus doesn't want to play second fiddle in, in anybody's band. He wants to play the only fiddle in the band. It's not family and then Jesus. It's Jesus at the top and everything else falls in line afterward. I sat through a three-hour uh, session on church finance uh, yesterday in Indianapolis, and uh, I got to admit it was pretty grueling, but uh, some of it was very informative, but it was grueling to sit through and glean what was important and, and what we needed to know. But but the instructor, she said, uh, she was talking about tithing and stewardship campaigns and and she says the message that she shares with churches when she goes to speak about stewardship is Jesus doesn't want just 10% of you. You know, we, we're supposed to tithe 10%. Jesus doesn't want just 10%. He wants 100% of us. He wants all of us. That's where the bar set. She didn't set the bar. I didn't set the bar. Jesus set the bar. He said, if you're going to follow him, you better weigh the cost. You better count the cost. Make sure you understand there's a price to pay. Measure it twice. Because the one cut is the only chance you get. And it may be that you have to leave your family. 
Some people are called to do that. Not everybody is. Have you ever played follow the leader? Well, one of the things you have to do in that game and that follow the leader is actually follow. I can't stay where I'm at and follow the leader. If we played right now and and I, I said, Ryan, you're it. And he gets up and he starts moving around the the church and I'm supposed to follow him and I stay right here. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lousy at it. If I want to follow, I have to leave the place where I'm at. That's what Jesus is saying. You going to follow me? You can't follow me and stay put. There better be some growth. There better be some willingness to say goodbye to some things. In essence, hate your life. Hate the life that you built in the secular world and, and love the life of following Jesus. You have to be willing to accept that this life is costly. Church, I have family and friends who, who don't speak to me anymore. And I think the major reason they don't do that is because of my faith. Oh, they may not verbalize it that way. Oh, I've just been busy. But if truth be told, it, it's the fact that I'm not the man I was. I left that life. I hated that life. And I started to follow Jesus. It hurts to know that there's people that I care about deeply that don't want to be around me because of my choice to follow Jesus. But if the choice is to be liked and loved and accepted by the masses and not follow Jesus, to me that's that bar is too high. The one Jesus set is, is manageable for me. It's a high standard, but, but Jesus even takes it one step further. You would think that'd be enough. That'd be where the bar is, but he moves it up a little higher. And, and he says, whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Carrying the cross in Jesus' world meant a willingness to die for the mission. You thought it was tough to hear. You may have to leave your families behind, but Jesus said it's more than that. You have to be willing to carry this cross. You have to carry this cross daily. This instrument of death. He doesn't want followers who only want to carry the cross on Sunday mornings or in Bible study. He wants people that carry the cross constantly. Willing to pay the price to be a follower of Christ. And then just to make sure everybody understands and there's no a gray area or misinterpretation of what he's saying. This, this is going to be a hard choice to follow him. He gives us a couple examples. And the first one he uses is the example of a builder. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you've laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. You know, we've all seen that. Someone starts a project and to build a house or a business and they run out of money. And there it sits, a half-finished product. You know, uh, we have an example right here in town. I've heard people complain about the bakery. Oh, and it's not done. Are they ever going to finish? But the reality is those folks counted the cost. They knew it would be costly to go out and get a loan and, and finance it all. It could have been opened a couple years ago. But what I've heard is... They're taking it step by step. When they can afford to put in the flooring, that's when they do it. When they can afford this or that. And they've been chipping away at it. They counted the cost and then came up with a plan 
to complete it within that cost. You know, it's not an unfinished business that's just left and people to see, people continue to see work being done. But but there's still that criticism. What are they doing? You know, Jesus wants the whole thing. He doesn't want halfsies of any of us. Uh, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus wants the completed product, not the stop in the middle and just leave it sit. Uh, this tower that he speaks of, it's an example of a building, a building of a life fully devoted to him. If we're going to build that tower in our lives, we need to first sit down and count the costs. Jesus is saying the world is watching, and they're going to know if your tower's finished or if you just quit halfway through the project. Remember when George was walking with the Lord? What happened? Why didn't he finish that tower? I told you about family members sort of shunning me. There's a time when I, when I thought, man, I don't, I don't want this. If it means giving up those people that I care about on a regular basis, maybe this life isn't for me. But I knew that's not truth. Fully devoted follower to Jesus. Then, then Jesus uses the example of a war. Or what king wouldn't go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go up against the 20,000 coming against him. And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all your possessions can be my disciples, family members, possessions, your life. It's costly, this bar. You know, this example of war is probably the most real example in this whole section of Scripture because there's a spiritual war all around us. A secular world fighting for our attention and our devotion and our spiritual world fighting the same fight. Who's going to win? If those are two dogs, this isn't my analogy. I'm stealing it from somebody. I just don't know who I'm stealing it from. But if those two things, that secular world and our spiritual world, are two dogs, uh, and you only feed one of them, the other one's going to die out. That's what Jesus is worried about, and that's what he's warning this crowd about. If you're feeding the two dogs, they may grow at equal rates, but but the, the dog... The devotion to Jesus is the one that needs to grow. When we put other things before a relationship with Jesus, what we're saying is, Lord, I want to be a follower, but I want it on my terms. Count the cost. Because a miscalculation could leave the job not completed. It could leave you short of the materials you need. Some people have decided to be a follower of Jesus, but when Jesus calls them to something uncomfortable, they decide at that point, wait a minute, it, it's too much, and that leaves the job incomplete. I want to challenge us all this morning. Have we counted the cost? Are we continuing to build, or did we hit a roadblock in our lives? A roadblock that's left an unfinished project. It's costly to follow Jesus. But the reward is going to make it all worthwhile. Count the cost, church. 
and understand that in the now, it may seem like the cost is too heavy on one side. But I promise you there will be a day when you know that cost was well worth it. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just ask that you uh, let this message seep down into our souls. That there is a cost to following you, but that price that we pay, Lord, is so worth it. I just ask that you keep that in our minds this week. And, and as we put things ahead of you, that your Holy Spirit would remind us not to do those things. Help others around us see the tower being built in our lives. Not just a foundation that was laid and then left there, Lord, but a complete tower pointing us to you would be resurrected in your honor. Lord, I just uh, thank you so much for your word and your guidance. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.